leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Gonorrhea is a common sexually transmitted infection, but the growth of an antibiotic-resistant strain of the disease is creating what the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has called an urgent public health threat that requires aggressive action. Entasis Therapeutics is launching a pivotal study of zelofidacin, a new class of oral antibiotic that has demonstrated potent activity against resistant gonorrhea. The company last month entered into a novel partnership with the nonprofit Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership to fund the pivotal trial and assure access to the drug in low- and middle-income countries if successful. We spoke to Manos Peros, CEO of Entasis, about Salafidacin, the partnership with GuardP, and whether it serves as a model for the development of a broader arsenal of new antibiotics. Manos, thanks for joining us. Thank you for asking. We're going to talk about the problem of antibiotic resistance, the threat of drug-resistant gonorrhea, and an innovative partnership with a nonprofit to speed development and ensure it reaches patients where it's most needed. Let's start with the problem of antibiotic-resistant drugs broadly. How bad a situation is it today? What's the threat from a public health point of view? Well, things have got pretty bad. Uh, and and the, um, uh, the the situation has been deteriorating steadily, perhaps too steadily for us to notice. Uh, I think gonorrhea is a is a is a great example of uh, the problems that we're facing uh, across a number of pathogens, including some pathogens that that are deadly infections uh, that one acquires in hospital for surgery or chemotherapy, for instance. What what happens when you treat uh, bacterium with um, antibiotic? Very quickly, the the the, the organism develops uh, a way to get around the drug, uh, which is what we call antibacterial resistance, uh, and that can happen in a number of ways. Uh, bacteria are uh, very resourceful; they have been around for much longer than we have, and and they have many many ways to escape the drugs that we developed to kill them with. Uh, in gonorrhea, that, that has taken the form of a number of uh, infections that are uh, now being reported globally, which are resistant to pretty much every drug that um, we have in our armamentarium. Uh, and, and this is an infection that a decade ago could be treated successfully in the vast majority of cases uh, using a, a, a single oral drug like a fluoroquinolone. 
Uh, and, and today, physicians uh, around the world, particularly in Southeast Asia, where the, the resistance seems to be emerging the fastest, um, have to resort to drugs that um, nobody really would have wanted to use anymore, that, that are much older, not very well tolerated. Um, and combinations of those drugs uh, are needed to kill uh, an infection which uh, would have been immediately curable uh, just over a decade ago. Uh, in gonorrhea, the problem is more acute because the, the, the infection is uh, transmissible. And uh, when a disease is uh, rapidly persistent as it is gonorrhea, uh, the selection of resistant bacteria is amplified and accelerated. And so we moved from a place where we had a, uh, an oral treatment that we treat most of the patients. Um, today, even in the US, where resistance rates are lower than pretty much anywhere else in the world, uh, today the first line recommendation by the CDC is a combination of a, of a painful injection uh, with an oral drug. And um, we are starting to see cases reported. Uh, there was a, a report at the end of last year uh, of a cluster of multi-drug resistant in Hawaii, for instance, um, where even that combination is no longer working. Uh, this is why we chose to work uh, in, in this disease. We, uh, at Ethesis, uh, focus our work on uh, new antibiotics. And we like to work on diseases where the medical need is so high that our antibiotics are truly needed by patients. And, and we believe that in Gonorrhea, we unfortunately have reached that point where we need those new drugs. Well, let's take a step back. I'm sure most people have heard of Gonorrhea, but for people who are not terribly familiar with the disease, can you explain what exactly it is, how the disease progresses, and, and how it's generally treated? Well, uh, I am a chemist. I, uh, I can do my best, uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is a disease that um, uh, is uh, unfortunately very, very well known. It's, it's been around for uh, probably as long as we have been around. Uh, it's transmitted through um, uh, sexual contact, and, and uh, it, is usually, it usually manifests itself in, um, in the form of uh, a discharge, uh, a painful discharge. Uh, in, can, if left untreated, it can lead to um, uh, severe mobilities including infertility. Uh, and unfortunately, in a number of, a number of patients, uh, it has no symptoms. Uh, and, and that's how the, the transmission is actually ensured, because many subjects unwillingly infect the essential part. And in terms of drug-resistant gonorrhea, how significant a problem is that today? Where does it particularly pose a, a big threat? And to what extent do we know about its spread? So we, we are starting to know more about its spread. Uh, this is not a reportable disease. Uh, and, and, and so any, any numbers that, that one can find out there are always going to be from, uh, from case studies and uh, and, and report, uh, but it's very clear that uh, the the resistance uh, is is growing, uh, particularly uh, in Southeast Asia, as I mentioned. The the way resistance in uh, gonorrhea has always transmitted, uh, developed, uh, excuse me, is uh, grow growth in Southeast Asia, um, where perhaps the antibiotic use is less well controlled, uh, there's less stewardship, and, and then it moves eastward 
to the western U.S. and and, and then across the country, uh, the east coast. Um, we also have uh, case resistance growing in Europe, uh, particularly from, from southern Europe. The the fact of the matter is, once resistance has started to appear anywhere in the world, it will eventually make its way over to wherever you are, and and that that's what we're facing. Resistance is racing in the U.S. To the last line of, of treatment, they're still relatively low, uh, less than one percent, but but they're growing. And the past has told us that within four or five years, uh, we will reach a threshold um, of five or ten percent, where even to this last line of defense, that there will be patients who will no longer respond to that. So, so that's 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 the issue that we're facing. You're currently entering pivotal trials of sulfidacin, a first-in-class oral antibiotic to address drug-resistant gonorrhea. What is sulfidacin, and, and how is it discovered? How does it work? Sulfidacin, as you mentioned, is a is a first-in-class antibiotic. The problem in treating bacterial infection uh, is obviously resistance, uh, and uh, because bacteria become resistant to the antibiotics that we use to treat them, you always need to come up with new drugs. Uh, if, uh, if you come up with a drug, a new drug that looks very much like an old drug, uh, chances are bacteria that we're trying to treat are also going to be resistant to that new drug. Uh, so there are two ways to get around that. Um, one way is to go after a, an entirely new class, uh, a new mechanism, a new way to attack the bacteria that the bacteria has not seen before. We have taken a, a variation on that um, because the lipotation is actually uh, what we call a gyrase of isomerase. This is a class of enzymes in bacteria uh, that, that help with replication, that help with uh, uh, duplication of bacteria and growth. Um, and um, they are a well-known target. Um, there have been a number of drugs that have been developed and successfully used that target that enzyme, um, particular fluoroquinolones, um, which have been the mainstay of the urea treatment. Fluoroquinolones uh, work against that target. Um, but we did not want to develop another fluoroquinolone because obviously bacteria would be resistant or at least partially resistant to that. So what we've done is that we looked at a different part, a different site on that enzyme. Uh, the enzyme is a, is a complex of, of two proteins. And it looked at, uh, at a site that's different to the one that the fluoroquinolones bind. So, so we have a small molecule drug uh, that blocks the enzyme, the same enzyme as fluoroquinolones, but in a different way. Um, and as a, as, a, as a result, there is no resistance, no cross-resistance to fluoroquinolones. In other words, all the gonorrhea bacteria that, for uh, the majority now, resist fluoroquinolones um, are very sensitive to the fluoroquinolones. So this, this uh, obviously brings us the best of both worlds because we can go forward in the clinic uh, knowing that, that we are hitting the bacteria where it really hurts. It's a target that's well established and uh, we know we can kill them that way, uh, but with a molecule that uh, works where fluoroquinolones have failed. And, and how specific is, is the drug? Is, is, does it have potential other indications it can address? Uh, well, the drug is, uh, first of all, in terms of specificity, uh, the, the enzyme is an enzyme that all bacteria have. Um, and 
zorifibacin has activity against a number of other bacteria. Um, but when we looked at where zorifibacin could be used, uh, it could be developed in the same way fluoroquinolones were developed as a broad-spectrum drug that could be used to treat um, all kinds of ailments. Uh, but in reality, the medical need uh, today is higher than the So rather than developing the old-fashioned way, which would be um, to look for patients who have um, infections at different body sites, we chose to develop it against a pathogen that has developed resistance to a point where it's become a problem. Um, that achieves uh, a couple of things, actually. The first is um, we can set dose, the dosing regimen, in a way that optimizes the ability of the drug to block, to kill that bacteria. Uh, rather than try to kill everything, we, we fine-tune the, the dosing regimen and the drug in a way that is suitable for the area. Uh, the second thing is, um, actually, it will ensure um, longevity of the, of, the, of the drug. The more you use an antibiotic, the faster you can drive resistance and by using zolifidacin uh, initially only for gonorrhea treatment, um, we ensure stewardship. And that's something that was really important in our day with RP. Um, this is a commitment that, that we and, and Dorothy share in terms of responsible use of the drug. What do we know about zolifidacin from the clinical trials to date in terms of its safety or efficacy? Uh, we have completed uh, phase one and phase two clinical trials with zolifidacin. Uh, the, the, the data so far has uh, indicated that the drug is well tolerated. Uh, in phase two, we published our data um, of, almost a year ago. Um, and the drug was, was found to be efficacious uh, in gonorrhea patients. These are relatively small clinical trials. These are phase one and phase two clinical trials. Uh, and, and, and really, the, the, the proof of the pudding is going to be in phase three, um, where we are planning to move with, uh, uh, in partnership with, uh, with uh, colleagues at uh, GARD. Well, you mentioned GARD-P, the Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership, which is co-developing Zlofidacin with you. What is the Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership, or GARD-P? Well, I would, I would strongly encourage you to, um, uh, to reach out to them as well. This is a, a really interesting concept. Uh, it came out of uh, a lot of work that um, has, um, has been going on for a couple of years now uh, under the leadership of the uh, World Health Organization, WHO, uh, and the Drugs for Neglected Disease Initiative, both which are based in Geneva. And um, we have been looking for a way to develop um, an organization who would re, um, reprime uh, the antibiotic development pipeline uh, by bringing uh, funding and expertise uh, to companies that um, have good ideas and good products, um, but, but are perhaps um, uh, financially constrained in ways that slow things down. So, Garthi uh, is a not-for-profit organization. Um, they have um, a, uh, a very impressive pedigree in terms of uh, of their background. Uh, they uh, they have the backing of World Health Organization, uh, and and what they will do with us is uh, is work to develop uh, zolifidacin for gonorrhea patients and and get it 
activity to those patients uh, across the globe. We, uh, we identified a number of territories where um, the Global Alliance for the Tissue Development Partnership would, um, would, would, would have those rights, uh, and, and these are largely uh, low and middle-income countries. We're going to raise the big problem. Uh, and, and then, emphasis, we, we have kept a number of other territories where uh, we believe they can be um, a, a commercial market for, for the gonorrhea drug, um, and we will each ensure uh, the drug gets patients and is used responsibly, and as we have as I outlined earlier. Well, one of the things we've seen with drug-resistant antibiotics, or rather drug-resistant bacteria, is is drug companies moving away from developing new antibiotics because of fear that they wouldn't be able to recoup their their investment uh, if the pace of resistance developing faster than, than they could invent new drugs. It, it, what's the significance of having a partnership with, with someone like GARD-P in terms of de-risking drug development in, in this area for a company like Intasis? Well, the... What, what, you, what you said earlier uh, is only partly true. It's true that big pharmaceutical companies uh, over the last two decades have shied away from antibacterial research and development, largely because of economic reasons, uh, partly also because it's actually very difficult to find a good, well-differentiated antibiotic. Not, not an easy job. Bacteria are really good at invading them. Um, so it's a combination of scientific, technical, and, and economic reasons that this has big pharma back. We are seeing what I believe is a revival uh, for the majority in smaller companies such as us uh, who work on this, but there are now a number of, uh, of molecules development or registration which target multi-drug resistant bacterial infections. Uh, the economic case for uh, antibiotic um, is not as compelling as I would like to see it become. Uh, these are life-saving drugs the same way as an oncology drug um, can prolong someone's life. Antibiotics can actually save someone's life. Um, but unlike, unlike oncology drugs, antibiotic treatments are usually um, short. You, you can save someone um, within 7 to 10 days, usually. And uh, that, that actually creates a... a uh, challenge economically because that that the drug is not is not given for several months or uh, the rest of the patient's life. Um, so that 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 has created a challenge, uh, and, and this is where organizations like RP um, come to help out. Uh, as, as you press know, release, uh, they're going to be funding uh, the phase three clinical development program uh, for zulfadacin. Obviously, uh, we have invested. Um, a lot up to this point to take molecules forward, but um, we have come to a point where, uh, compared with other antibiotics in our pipeline, um, developers of flotation on on our own funding would have been would have been challenging. We have uh, we have more programs to work on than than money to work with on. So so GARP allows us to uh, move the molecules forward um, and and do that uh, with a partner that. Um, we believe has uh, the expertise and, and the commitment uh, that we share in making the drug available, and at the same time, uh, use our um, uh, our funds to develop the rest of our pipeline, uh, which 
uh, targets uh, equally important and equally urgent needs uh, in respect to do you see this partnership serving as a model that could help rebuild the arsenal for antibiotic drugs? Well, I think this could be one, uh, the model for one way of, of doing this. Not everything can be uh, addressed through this kind of partnership, and I strongly believe that in the long term, to make uh, the field of antibiotic discovery and development uh, a sustainable enterprise again, um, we will have to move beyond the, the, the kind of non-profit partnership that we have uh, in terms of, of, of the funding, for sure, because I think um, sustainable innovation requires reward, and the reward for the innovation comes in the form of, um, of, 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 of sales uh, of the market. Uh, I do believe that with more um, better differentiated drugs in the pipeline, we will see um, we will see a change in the way in which antibiotics are used, um, more responsibly in fewer patients, but um, higher value from those patients. Uh, but yes, in the meantime, uh, having organizations such as GARP or others, such as CARBEX in the US, which we also work, um, helps shift the, the economic favor of, uh, in favor of antibacterial products. Manos Peros, President and CEO of Intasis Therapeutics. Manos, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for the opportunity, Dan. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.